Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 10th of September. The New South Wales government has announced its reopening plan once 70% of the state's adult population is fully vaccinated. Premier Gladys Berejiklian won't put a date on ending the lockdown, but has agreed to ease restrictions on the first Monday after the vaccine milestone is reached. Among the freedoms to expect, up to five visitors allowed in a home where all adults are fully vaccinated – hospitality and retail to reopen with capacity limits and regional travel. The Premier says businesses will have a strong incentive to ensure they're following the rules. People will see things shut down temporarily if health advises there's a risk or there's been an outbreak, as we've seen now. We don't want to sugarcoat that. But that's why it's in the business's interest to prevent that from happening, to make sure they don't allow people coming in who aren't vaccinated because that will impact their business continuity. But the reopening plan has been met with concern from top health experts with fears it could be still too soon. It comes after reports the New South Wales Chief Health Officer Kerry Chant didn't agree with the push to ease restrictions at 70%. Health Program Director at the Grattan Institute, Dr Stephen Duckett, has told the project it's very clear the plan has been developed by business and it's very risky. So it's only 56% of the total population And on top of that, New South Wales is a big state, and so you might have 70-80% in Sydney, but you might have very, very low rates in far western New South Wales. Meantime, parts of regional New South Wales will come out of lockdown from midnight tonight, including Queensland border communities, and we'll have more details from our reporter shortly. Restrictions have eased across many parts of regional Victoria. Shepparton and metropolitan Melbourne are still under lockdown after the state saw the largest spike in COVID cases in more than a year yesterday, with 324 new infections recorded. Daniel Andrews says he's not surprised by the jump, saying new Modelling from the Health Department shows cases could increase to as high as 1,800 by mid next month. I'm not shocked by that. We're going to see cases go up because this virus is highly, highly contagious. The key point is to keep those numbers as low as we can, not zero, but to keep them as low as we can so that our nurses have got a fair fight. Meantime, COVID testing for children could get a little easier. Victorian Health Minister Martin Foley says the Royal Children's Hospital is set to trial a new child-friendly kit. It's a much less invasive but equally accurate test that has a control device that the child themselves use that sits at the base of their nose and collects any virus particles for testing. And in other news this morning, tomorrow marks the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Almost 3,000 people were killed after al-Qaeda terrorists hijacked a number of commercial flights in the US with two ploughing into the twin towers of the World Trade Centre on the morning of the 11th of September 2001. Ten Australian Australians were killed in the attacks, including Yvonne Kennedy, her son Simon telling Channel 7 the anniversary is a difficult day. People say, does it feel like a long time ago? Does it feel like yesterday? And and both are true. Um, I mean, when it happened, I was this 26-year-old young guy who uh, had all these you know, big hopes and dreams for what he was going to do in the future and uh, never, never saw it coming. And here I am now, I'm a 46-year-old father of two. So my perspective has is, is changed now because I guess I'm looking at the events through the eyes of a guy who's 
I guess, survived a lot of, of hard times uh, and, and, and built, built a pretty, pretty wonderful life for himself. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground to New South Wales and the lockdown will end for many regional parts of the state from midnight tonight. Areas including Byron Bay, Port Macquarie, Tamworth, Wagga Wagga and Albury are among those emerging from the stay-at-home orders. But some restrictions will stay in place as our reporter Romy Stevens explains from Wagga. That's correct, Tash. While it's great to see schools, shops, hairdressers, pubs, cafes and gyms reopening, capacity limits will be in place. And local sport, which is the lifeblood for many country towns, is still banned. Meantime, these new freedoms will be short-lived for those who aren't fully vaccinated once the state reaches the 70% double-dose target. There will be a moment in time in regional New South Wales that because you've been given some uh, some freedoms today, uh, which no one else seems to get, you, you could lose them if you're not vaccinated. And, and that is something I know is harsh. That's Deputy Premier John Barillaro there. And to Victoria, and the deadline for aged care workers to get vaccinated has been extended. The initial cut-off date set by National Cabinet for employees to receive their first dose was September 17. But as James Lake reports from Melbourne, the state government will now give them more time. They now have until October the 1st to get their first shots, Tash. In the past few weeks, there have been concerns about the pressure on workers to get their first doses in time. But new data from this week actually shows 91% of our aged care workers have had their first vaccination and 73% are now fully jabbed. Health authorities are just concerned that vax rates in some facilities are dangerously low. Regardless of where they are now, all aged care workers in Victoria will have to be fully vaccinated by November 15. Now, for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Effie Zahos from Canstar. And Effie, it may not seem like the best time to start your business at the moment, especially during the pandemic, but that's what plenty of Australians have been doing. Yeah, that's right, Tash. When you look at the numbers, say the latest data from ASIC, it shows that it's been a busy month for August when it comes to the number of companies being launched. Now, typically, you'd expect a lot of companies being launched in um, uh, June, which did actually happen. They had record numbers of 34,868 because they're just trying to get in before the end of the financial year. But August was big too, uh, almost 25,000. Now, that's over 5,000 compared to August 2019 pre-pandemic. Look, but that's not to say look, the economy is turning around. We can't take this as a sign like everything's going well. Because when I looked at the ABS data, the latest ones there, showing the number of businesses that entered versus exiting, it only saw a net inflow of 87,000. But the fact is, in times of crisis, people do turn to self-employment, whether it's because they've been pushed out of their work or whether it's because they've thought, hey, I'm actually liking this lifestyle, this working from home, I'll contract and I can do just as well. Either which way, Tash, it's worth noting that there are plenty of startup grants now available. Give you an idea, the CSIRO Kickstart, it's got a match funding program of up to 50000 In New South Wales, there's grants of up to 20000 if you're a tech startup. In Victoria, they're about to open their round two of small business grants. Round one gave grants of up to 30000 if you open a business in CBD, the metro. And ACT also has interest-free loans of up to $3,000 for low-income earners. Worth taking a look on the government site, business.gov.au. Excellent tips as always, Effie. And for many people, it's been very, very tough. They can't have the big weddings during the pandemic. But the silver lining, gosh, they're saving a fortune. 
<laughs> they sure are. Look, my heart goes out for the industry as such, the businesses. Their world has been turned upside down. But for the humble bride and groom, well, some research from Tuesday shows that on average, the cost of weddings have actually decreased 38%. That makes sense. I mean, COVID has shut everything down. Um, and two-thirds of couples do feel that they've missed out on their ideal wedding, wedding celebrations. Um, but the interesting thing, as you point out, one in three newlyweds are now tapping into the perks of saving extra cash on their big day and they're putting it towards important life expenses. Now, on average, couples are saving 10500 by not having big weddings um, and with almost a fifth of their salary back in their pockets, that's about a year closer to uh, putting a deposit on their home. So some good news there. I mean, no doubt the pandemic world has likely put breaks on large gatherings for some time and savvy weddings look like it's going to be an ongoing trend. I found it interesting that they were being brutal on the guest list. That has been slashed. In a lot of cases, they're probably forced to. Um, but also interesting that the flowers and the decor have been given the flick to. If only I had that advice on my wedding day. <laughs> Indeed, Evie, thanks so much. for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett it's finals time in the NRL with Melbourne and Manly kicking things off tonight in Queensland. Yes good morning Tash that's right on the Sunshine Coast tonight we've got the finals roaring to life with a qualifying final between the Storm and the Seagulls. The winner goes through to a prelim while the loser goes through to a sudden death semi-final. Now Cam Munster is still in some doubt for the Storm he's worried that stitches in his knee could open up during the heat of battle Coach Craig Bellamy says he'll let Munster make the call. Yeah well we won't take any any great risk with him, without a doubt. The decision is going to be up to him. You know, at the end of the day, he's an experienced player. He knows what's you know expected in these big games. But I say he'll, he'll make that decision, and then we'll go from there. The Seagulls have been forced to swing a late change. Lachlan Croker is out. Carl Lawton to start at hooker, and of course, Tom Trebojevic looms as the key player for the Storm to well stop or at least restrict uh, tonight. Tash, he's been in phenomenal form. And another great game tonight. The Demons and Cats will battle to be the first into the AFL Grand Final when they face off in Perth. Yes, and they've been forced to make one change each. Let's start at the Demons. They've selected veteran Michael Hibbard to replace Joel Smith. He injured his hamstring at training, unfortunately, on Tuesday. At the Cats, last week's Medi-Sub Zach Guthrie comes in for Brandon Parfitt, who has his own hammy troubles. He had surgery in Perth earlier this week. Former AFL champ Dale Thomas telling us the Cats should tag one of the D's gun midfielders. They have to. You think they have to? They have to. Oliver was the difference in the last game. He had 34 disposals, maybe even more, a couple the goals. They've got the blueprint of how to beat the D's. That is to take one of those players out of the game. The other prelim final is tomorrow night at the Adelaide Oval between the Power and the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs will roll the dice with Steph Martin. They've picked him for his first game since round 12. He hasn't played due to various injuries. Marcus Bontempelli has been named. He's battling a sore knee. The Dogs have lost Alex Keith and Cody Waitman. The Power Tasha unchanged. And who are your tips for the two games then, Brett? I will go for the D's and the power, I think, are the safe bets. Okay, we'll hold you to that on Monday. And there's a COVID scare in other news for India's cricket team in England, Brett. 
Yes, they've been forced to cancel a training session, another positive COVID test among their coaching staff. They're up to three now. Players are isolating in their hotel rooms and they've uh, been forced to undergo some fresh tests. This is just one day before the fifth and final test. India leading that series 2-1 and it's women's semi-final day at the US Open and a couple of teenagers are stealing the headlines. Uh, 18-year-old British qualifier Emma Raducanu faces 17 seed Maria Sakari. She's the first qualifier to make it this far at the US Open, while 19-year-old Canadian Layla Fernandez is out to continue her giant-killing run against the second seed, Arena Sabalenka. She's already knocked off the likes of Naomi Osaka and Anjali Kerber as well. So a couple of teenagers uh, will be on Arthur Ashe Stadium uh, tonight in New York or this morning uh, in Australia at the US Open. Enjoy all the sport over the weekend. Thanks so much, Brett. And spare a thought for this man who realised he'd thrown out a million-dollar lotto ticket. The Sydney cider, who is currently in lockdown, had to rummage through his bin first thing yesterday morning, desperately searching for the winning ticket. The good news is he did find it, and he is now hoping to use the winnings for a new home or car. Congratulations. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Happy Friday. Stay safe and we look forward to seeing you on Monday. Listener.